Welcome in, Traveler. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Fantasy Football RPG Podcast. It's time to level up in fantasy football. Welcome back. Fantasy Football RPG Podcast coming at your face. If you have not tuned in to last week's episode, I highly encourage you to do so. Dubbed the Sloppy Cast, this was our AFC North breakdown with Mike, Eric, and I, where we had a little help from our friend, Mr. Alcohol, playing a very dangerous drinking game live on the pod. And it gets crazy. Some very passionate, expressive arguments were birthed from this episode, such as the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Chicago Bears wide receiver core. Which one is better? Had a fun time moderating that debate between Eric and Mike. And I think I can still hear Eric screaming at the top of his lungs that David Montgomery is a better running back than Jonathan Stewart ever was. All in all, a very entertaining episode. One of my favorites that we have put out there into the universe. So I highly encourage you to give that a listen. And if you already have, thank you. It is quickly becoming one of our most listened to episodes. And I think for good reason. It was a very, very fun show to record. Not sure when we'll do another sloppy cast, but if the ratings are to be believed, then it would appear we should be doing those more often. And I can already hear my liver screaming in agony from me just saying that. But we give the people what they want here on the RPG podcast. Don't ever say that we don't. We do it for the people and for us because it's a lot of fun to do. And a great excuse to drink. But moving on to this episode, it's bittersweet. Guys, we are coming to the end of Division Town. We are leaving. We are seeing the sign on the side of the road that says, you are now leaving Division Town. Come back soon. No, sorry. I mean, we're not going to come back until next season. Maybe with a different name. Nah, who am I kidding? There's nothing wrong with the name. But I'm excited to end this segment with a bang ending it on the surging AFC East division with such teams as the incumbent powerhouse the Buffalo Bills one of the biggest risers from this offseason Aaron Rodgers new team the New York Jets the middling Patriots who you know Mac is Mac 
They they need some help with the firepower, I think. But Big Bill Belichick is still there, guys, and they have a they have an actual offensive coordinator this season, which I think should play a big part in their potential improvement from last season. Last but not least, the Gatling gun that is the Miami Dolphins. Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill on either side in the backfield, just speed, speed, speed. As long as Tua took some some real lessons from all those judo, jujitsu classes that he's been doing, that team could be really, really scary. I'm telling you right now, if we see Tua Tungavailoa judo flip in edge rusher coming up to him trying to put him on his back, well, he's going up in my rankings, personally speaking. Very excited for the episode, though. Got Big Money Mike and Big Dog Evan Lowe joining me to talk about this division to say sayonara to Division Town. Looking forward to what comes next for the RPG podcast. But until then, I will leave you all to enjoy the sweet, succulent sounds of that Spotify for Podcasters advertisement. And then we'll get you right into the program. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. one time where evan and i got going for a good i want to say it wasn't too bad it was like 15 minutes and then i was like oh no i forgot that i forgot the big red button (laughs) Uh, he was like are you serious i'm like oh i vowed to never do that i always try to do the recording like as soon as i get in from now on i do not want to forget that again how you been though stud you doing good yeah good man just uh tired i mean you saw the video that was this morning and then Casually throwing grenades, no big deal. It's whatever. Um, and then went from that to a physical, and then one from that, I was like, oh, well, I'm right next to the golf course. I might as well play golf. So, what, uh, what what score did you get on your physical? Uh, they didn't disqualify me, so I got a pass. Okay, that's, that's good. And welcome in, Evan. Hello. Hi, guys. I like this cold open question here that someone wrote. Uh, how large of a black bear in pounds do you think you could fight if given a sword and a month to train? I assume train with swords, not train to kill bears specifically. You would know you're fighting a bear. So you, you have one month to train. Training simulations of killing a bear. So you could get good at specifically that. Yeah, no, you can. You have unlimited resources in the world around you to train. Yeah, give me a, give me a 300 pound bear. Uh, but I will, I will turn your question into more of a, I will defeat the bear in honorable combat and then it shall become my mount and I will ride it through the hills to Valhalla. Great answer. I don't think the bear would accept an honorable defeat. I think it would continue to try to eat you. We would come to an understanding. (laughs) Well, I'm just built different. It would understand. Yeah. As soon as I mentioned Valhalla, it'll be like, no, no. Yeah, sign me up, man. I'm I'm game. Yeah.
checks out. Evan, how big of a bear do you think you could fight? Well, uh, considering that while Corey was answering, I was looking up how big the average black bear size is, uh, which for a male is apparently 400 pounds. So, uh, yeah, give me something smaller than that, because I I don't want to fight a black bear. Like, I've seen those things in the cellar uh, at my my family home. So that's uh, not something that I wanted to deal with. I lost a bunch of ground beef that day by throwing it in the yard and running in the house. so I would say probably like uh, juvenile, give me like 250 and give me, give me a long sword. All right. Cause they're, they're apparently three feet high when standing on all fours. That's such a good point. And I was going to mention that it's an incomplete question because you don't specify the type of sword that we get. Well, you can choose your sword. So it's really fighter's okay. preference. So I can do like Sephiroth's sword from... Final Fantasy, and it's nine feet long, and the bear will never touch me. Can you wield that? Because I, I severely. Oh yeah, it's a magical sword, Mike. (laughs) Okay. It doesn't have Uh, the regular heft of a normal sword. It's a magic sword. Just give me the Keyblade from Kingdom Hearts. You know, the Keyblade is an interesting option but it's way shorter so you really i i personally think i'm behind the theory of you want to put as much distance between you and the bear as possible with this sword so you really want to go for a matsumune that's the sephiroth sword for final fantasy i got that off the top of the dome didn't have to look it up but uh speaking of keeping as much distance from the bears as possible uh the steelers definitely have a better receiving core than the chicago bears evan do you want to put a bow on that or do you want to uh Continue the argument for the rest of time. No, we're we're gonna continue the argument for the rest of time. <laughs> I, look, Mike, I I've made the concession that the Steelers have the better total receiving core. They have the better receiving weapons as an offense as a whole. When you lump in Najee, when you lump in Fryermuth, you you throw those two guys in the mix, and I think it's it's hands down. It's not a question, but. I'm still of the mindset of in a NFL game, give me DJ Moore and give me Darnell Mooney over Pickens and Deontay Johnson. Well, that is incorrect, but we'll get past it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I'm with you, Mike. I think uh I I think it's the Steelers, but having DJ Moore as the clear uh overall like my favorite guy out of the bunch um that's very clear to me um it gets murky after that but i think i look at it more as the Steelers just being more balanced um because i think it's just a such a steep cliff from dj Moore uh to me personally not to say that mooney might not also be good um i just think between him and pickens i think i'd rather have pickens so i think that's where it gets a little more murky for me personally but it is an interesting argument, and it's one that I've been posing uh, to different uh, fantasy football communities out there, and pretty mixed results. Like, people are pretty split on it. Uh, so, yeah, it's very interesting to see all the perspectives. Um, but moving on from an argument that we had during the sloppy cast last week, which I don't think we can really, I mean, how much do we want to really grasp onto arguments that we were having during the sloppy cast? I don't think any of us were really in our right minds. So I'm glad that you came back to it, Mike. It definitely seemed to make an impression. So good that you remembered that or just remembered anything from that day. I'm very impressed by you. 
It's like Vegas. The, what happens in the sloppy cast stays in the sloppy cast, except this specific argument. Everything else stays in the past. Correct. Okay. Well, yeah, moving moving into things that are, are relevant for the here and now for this episode of FFRPG, kind of the, the biggest thing I've seen, again, it's like pretty dead time right now. Uh, not really going to touch training camp unless you boys spotted something that, that really interests you. But the Alvin Kamara plea went through, uh, pled no contest. So he's going to get a community service punishment and some sort of fine. Um, and he's going to have to pay for the dude's medical bills. And, you know, we've seen the NFL still hand out suspensions for guys that have their charges dropped or get it knocked down from a felony to a misdemeanor like it did in this case. But I personally think, I mean, just with the community service tag on that, this seems to me like two to four games and maybe more like two, three. Um, but I want to get your guys' beat on it too. Evan, have you been following this? Do you know, like, do you kind of have a guesstimate for suspension games for Alvin Kamara? Yeah, I think it's going to be a two-game suspension, Ooh, if I had to guess. Yes. So that, that's that's my guess on it. I think that Roger's not going not gonna to let him go without something. But being a misdemeanor, I think it's very hard to throw the book at him and give him a full six games or eight as some were clamoring when it originally happened. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear you agree with that. Uh, Mike, do you have a differing take? No, I'm pretty much on board with Evan. That seems like the precedent about what's going to happen. So Alvin Kamara, I mean, if you were drafting him uh, this summer, kind of before things really started popping off and you got him pretty late, I know he's still, uh, not the youngest running back anymore, but still could have a an elite season. Uh, I think he's still that guy for another year or two, in my opinion, at least. Uh, so you pretty happy, I guess, if you took him uh, in those later rounds. I have to imagine, I guess, until the suspension comes through, maybe not. But even with the no contest plea, his, his ADP is probably going to start shooting up. I mean, you could be like somebody on this cast right now that took Alvin Kamara at 9.09, you know, in, uh, in our RPG legends league and be feeling pretty good right now. Yeah. You could be one of those guys. That would be a cool guy to be. Uh, you'd be feeling pretty sweet. Um, I'm just glad to be, I'm just glad to be in the presence of another, uh, RPG Potter traded for Alvin Kamara last year, uh, to win his rogues league. And then, uh, Still has him this year and is sitting pretty with another win now team. So I, I don't know who that is, but cool to be him too, I would imagine. Uh, but cool. So yeah, we, we kind of ran through the game there. I mean, uh, let me ask you, Mike, actually, before we move on from this, Kendra Miller is a guy that I know that you like, have liked. Does this dampen your, your spirits at all for him for this year? For this year, a little bit. I was kind of hoping that it would be a six to eight game suspension and he'd be able to roll the first couple months of the season. But as we look at like Miller was always a long-term play. There's an out in Kamara's contract going into 2024, and they drafted him with the assumption that he's going to be the, the guy moving forward. So nothing for this year because this year was always bonus. He's a good stash for next year. Yeah, sounds good to me. Uh, I think that was always his best-case scenario, too, just because, again, I was kind of never really on board with the Kamara, you know, six to eight games. I just I didn't see that in the cards for him. Um, I was thinking more like four and now it seems more like two. And so, but yeah, the only other thing I have on here is just a funny anecdote that I read 
uh, that Sam Darnold, if you guys didn't know, was living at George Kittle's house uh, since going to the 49ers. And he moved out uh, pretty recently. And the reason was he thought it was haunted, which I thought was pretty funny given the fact that there's the Sam Darnold is seeing ghosts uh, analog happening. Is this real? Yes. He thought George Kittle's house was haunted? Yes. I'm all in on Trey Lance this year. Let's go. Oh, no. All right. Well, I'm glad we don't have Eric here. Otherwise, the uh, the the speakers might have gone out on all of our devices as he cried to the heavens for vengeance. But, yeah, I mean, I just thought it was funny. This was my pet theory. And let me know if it sounds a little too conspiratorial to you guys. Sam Darnold put this quote out there so that when you Google search Sam Darnold seeing ghosts, this is the story that pops up. What do you guys think about that? I... I have no thoughts. I just, I really, I, I want to stop talking about Sam Darnold forever. He had one month as a Panther. That was oh, exciting. Come on, come on. I'm you just, know, you know, that's my guy. You can't do my guy dirty. I'm so over it. Oh, Mike, just you wait. Sam Darnold QB one. Here we go. All right. Well, that's, that is enough. Sam Darnold talk. As soon as I say those words, let's launch into it, guys. This is the last one. We're, we're, leaving towards the outskirts of Division Town. It's it's over. This segment is done and dusted after this next chapter, and it is the AFC East. Three really good teams here, in my opinion, and one team has Bill Belichick as a head coach, so we'll see. But some, some good stuff to talk about, and, I mean, right off the bat, I think good place to just launch off is going to the Buffalo Bills because they're my favorite team here. I don't know if that necessarily means they'll win the division. I think it's pretty likely, but uh, they have some stiff competition now. That is for sure. But just overall, they're, the Bills are like my second favorite team in the NFL. Uh, so I'm, I'm down to launch into them with some, with some good talk. And I don't know how much time you guys want to spend just giving Josh Allen compliments, but I can go up to 15, 20 minutes. Uh, maybe we cut down to 10. But he's my guy. Um, I love that dude. Just pulled a $250, $300 Josh Allen card from a Panini pack. So I'm pretty stoked on Josh Allen right now. But what do you guys think? I want to go to Mike here for his Josh Allen take because, Mike, you got uh, your your QB rankings out there into the Twitter sphere. I, I saw them. I seen them. So explain where you have Josh Allen and, and why, if you don't mind. Yeah, uh, for sure. I'm actually I'm going to pull him up real quick, make sure I don't misspeak but if i remember correctly i have him firmly firmly in that top tier and uh i also have him firmly firmly as number two which i didn't think was a hot take at the beginning of the offseason but everyone got really in on hertz and then he got a big contract everyone got really in on joe burrow because he's hot there's just a lot of opportunities to fall in love with other guys but uh, and points per game, Josh Allen has been one or two for the past three seasons, and that's including a Bengals game that got cut short. So the sky's the limit with the guy. He was battling through a UCL injury, which isn't great, but it showed that even when he's hurting, he can be an elite option. So um, I think you can lock him into your lineups and be happy for probably like another 10 years. And he looks great in shorts and can truck linebackers. So it's it's Josh freaking Allen. Nothing else to say. Big fan of Josh Allen here as well, like I said. But yeah, I that's that's good to hear. I I think I agree. I mean, 
Hurts is tempting with that that rushing upside, but Josh Allen is just such a a tough dude and has that that boom arm and those those boom weeks um, that I know Hurts has too. But yeah, I think it's a it's a tough shot between them two. But I'd probably lean Josh Allen as well. Uh, Evan, I know that you've liked Josh Allen forever, so you have that going for you, which is which is cool. Um, I want to know from you though. I don't personally think this, but I want to know what your opinion is on like the sell window for Josh Allen. Uh, not to think that I, you know, necessarily think it's it's around the corner this year or next, but I want to know how you're feeling on him because in general, I think you're really good at selling guys before it's you know widely known as the time to sell the guys. Uh, so yeah, I want to know your take there. Yeah, so for me, what I'm looking to do is I'm looking to recoup a little bit of value for Josh Allen. I think people are a little bit down on him because of the arm injury that he was dealing with most of last season. So I think that's something that people are counting against him for the the stats that he put up last year. Uh, I think this is the final season that I'm going to be fully in on Josh Allen. Uh, And if I had him, I'm likely looking to trade him uh, next offseason. Uh, you start looking at when he's going to get paid uh, and what that's going to potentially do to the offense, what that could potentially do to the defense, uh, how that might impact the Buffalo Bills in general. So that's definitely something that needs to be considered here. Uh, his cap hit next year goes up to $47 million. It's a very large chunk of the cap to be placing on the quarterback position. I get it. He's top three, top four quarterback in the league right now. Um, but I do think that that's going to put a strain on the rest of the team. Uh, when you look right now, uh, cap space, they're about 25 million over the cap projected for next year, uh, having their guys currently signed, uh, as they do. So it should limit them in free agency. They'll probably have to restructure some guys, push some money down the road. You, you look at their drafting recently, and I haven't been super enthused with their drafting recently. Um, I haven't really felt like there's been any big booms. Uh, You look at Stefan Diggs, Diggs is slowly getting older, you know, one year at a time. So that's something to consider. I think this is going to be his age 30 season. So you expect something to kind of start to slow down there. Uh, You also look at the wide receiver core. And I mean, what really are they dealing with uh, besides Diggs? You start breaking down the breaking down the team. Gabe Gabe Davis uh, had 93 targets last year. So he had the second most, and then you have to drop all the way down to Isaiah McKenzie at 65. So, you know, you have a very true alpha. uh, And when you're looking at target share, there was 551 targets given to the entire team. Gabe Dave or uh, Stefan Diggs had 154 of them. So, you know, you're talking about a 28% target share which is pretty good. I mean, you, you want to see guys over 25 for those elite wide receivers that you want to have over 25%, which means the ball is kind of being distributed to the rest of the team, but he's very heavily relying on Diggs. So if Diggs starts to fall off and starts to slow down or teams say, okay, Diggs is it, then we're going to have to figure something out. And Josh Allen's upside with his rushing ability is going to slowly dwindle. So I very much think next off season is the season to get off of him. Maybe you get off the season early, but that's what you get for getting peak value for him. Yeah. I can see a lot of those concerns, but 
when we talk about like maybe losing digs or maybe even digs loses a step, the quality of wide receivers that have been coming out in the draft in the last, you know, three to four years just blows draft classes before that out of the water. So in this, just the second round last year, you could have gotten Christian Watson or George Pickens, regardless of how you feel about them. Like those are very solid wide receivers that could be an alpha somewhere. Look, a couple of years ago, you were able to get like Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson. If you go in between those years, like there's more and more talented receivers coming out and the ability to find them a little bit later continues to grow. Like even Diggs was a fifth round pick when he finally came out. So I think there's opportunity to find a Diggs replacement without having to go up and get a Marv, without having to go up and get an Agbuka, Agbuka, however you say his name. Uh, I think if Diggs leaves, Josh Allen's cannon of an arm will not leave. Yeah, I mean he's got he's got that thing for for a good long while. I think that's that's true. Um, the only other thing, I mean, I've said it, I'll say it again. I I really like Josh Allen. Um, I hear what Evan's saying. There 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 definitely might be some some credit to selling at his highest, like probably uh, value. Uh, in terms of what you could get for him in these next couple of years, there's there might be something to that. Um, I'll say, especially on that side, like you kind of saw it this last year, he has, and I think we'll probably continue to take like pretty scary hits, um, especially with his like run style, where it's not designed runs, where he has inherent blocking. It's it's scrambles. It's like I'm gonna just make the play. Here I go, Josh Allen, take off three, two, one. Um, so that worries me a little bit. Maybe the bills can, you know, kind of pull a little bit of that back. Um, but I think it'll take setting him up with some good weapons beyond just digs because we can get into this next, because that's kind of the next thing here. I think the rest of his receiving core is like not good. Um, it's fine. I, it's not good though. I don't really like Gabe Davis. Never really had, uh, a lot of Gabe Davis. I, I sold him wherever I could, if I had him on that crazy four touchdown game that he had, that would never happen again. Uh, Khalil Shakir is like fine. Uh, I guess he, he didn't prove a lot last year. We'll see if he can take a second year, third year jump maybe, but in the short term, not super hopeful. Uh, and beyond that, I mean, Dalton Knox is a mid tight end and uh, Dalton Kincaid is a <laughs> rookie tight end. So what what can you really expect for him, uh, you know, taking first round or not? Uh, rookie tight ends just tend not to hit. So the receiving game is just, in my opinion, lackluster. So I think that's just another thing to keep in mind. And Mike totally buy into the ability to get a good wide receiver in the draft. Uh, but if the Bills continue to just be really good with Josh Allen, those, those picks are probably going to end up being pretty late generally speaking and they haven't shown a great track record for drafting these guys in the first place um but that could always change they can always hit it can always happen um and i love josh allen so i think he's still in my one two three but it bounces right i think it does bounce between josh allen and hurts fairly frequently of it being one or the other for me so going over the last six wide receivers that the bills have drafted all right we got 2023 Justin Shorter. Don't know what he is yet, all right? But he got taken in the fifth round. We go 2022 Khalil Shakir in the fifth round. We go 2021 for Marquez Stevenson in the sixth round. 
Okay. Whoop de doo. We go 2020, Gabe Davis. Okay. He went in the fourth round. And then we go and we have to go next all the way down to Isaiah Hodgins in 2020 in the sixth round. If you want to talk about them using a top 100 pick on a wide receiver, you have to go back to 2017. And it was Zay Jones, who I think for most standards has not lived up to a second round pedigree. So they do not have a good track record of drafting wide receivers. So that's definitely something that is of concern for me. And I, I agree with Corey. You know, they, they don't have the pedigree of wide receivers behind him. You look at Gabe Davis and maybe he ends up leaving uh, very soon here uh, to try and go get a better contract somewhere else. Uh, maybe he goes and ends up trying to be a, a high-end 1B to somebody that thinks that he can be that for their offense. And not to detract too much, uh, but that that's why I just, it, it's strange to me that the Bills aren't making moves to try and lock down DeAndre Hopkins at this point, just because their win, their window to go to the Super Bowl may seem wide. I don't think it's that wide. I think it's this year, next year, go out there and, and win a Super Bowl, win a Super Bowl with Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins. Like, what? What are we talking about? Make the space, go get him. I, I that that part makes no no sense to me personally. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mike, do you have anyone besides like really just like we said, digs on the just the entirety of the receiving game for the Bills that you like really like that you'll that you'll stand for? Yeah, I I think at cost, Gabe Davis is kind of like a post type sleeper. Um, no, he's not going to be a guy that's going to finish top eighteen, top twelve. I'm not saying that he's going to shoot the moon at all, but for what you can get him for, I actually just traded for him in a different league. Let me pull that up real quick. I think I traded two mid to late thirds and got Gabe Davis. Like those picks are throwaway picks at that point. And people are so frustrated with what they gave up for him last year. It's you can go out and grab him cheap, fill him in. There's a flex by week fill in or on in a deeper league as a wide receiver three. So, um, I think there's opportunity to grab him. It's just, it's going to be boom bust and not fun. I'm definitely more tempted in best ball, just show, given what he's shown with these like massive spike weeks. Um, but I agree that, I mean, two thirds, why, why not? Like he's an established player on a good offense, thirds or thirds. Um, I don't mind that trade at all. But yeah, I'm just not enthused. Like I know it's Josh Allen and like you want to be enthused by the receiving game here, but. It's just, it's tough. It feels like almost a pseudo, I don't want to like draw like a large comparison, but it's like a pseudo Patrick Mahomes-esque receiving core where it's like, take like pick your poison. Like other than, you know, Kelsey, it's going to be a crapshoot. It's like other than Diggs, it's going to be kind of a crapshoot. And I sort of feel the same way about the backfield. And this is where I, I think I'll at least hear maybe from Evan about, because I think Evan likes a little bit of James Cook, but I don't really like, James Cook. Um, I think it's tough with what he has around him. I mean, Damian Harris isn't nothing. Damian Harris has shown that when he's not injured, he's he's a totally good running back. And let's not forget that Naeem Hines is also like a pretty good, like gadgety, like scat back. Like he he's known to take passes and screens and kind of stuff that James Cook would be expected uh for his workload. I think they'll use him more. I don't see how they don't because they had he had really good efficiency last year. 
And so I'm sure they'll give him more touches, but I think that the goal line is going to be a lot of Damian Harris and a lot of Josh Allen. So that does scare me a little bit for, for James Cook, but Evan, let me know what, what you think about James Cook on this Bills offense and just the running game in general. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that James Cook is a 60% back, uh, which means mostly he's not going to be a RB1, RB2. Uh, if he is, you're looking at a very low-end RB2. Um, so I think for the most part, you're talking about a flex play here. Uh, you're going to bank on his receiving ability, which also draws into question, you know, with Josh Allen getting the massive contract, does he start to peel off a little bit with his rushing ability, um, with his or want to really run and take all of those crazy hits? Does he start dumping off to the running back more? I mean, if, if you told me that James Cook was going to get all the targets that he had last year and absorb Devin Singletary's targets, which would put him around 80 to 85 targets, like, great, fantastic. Like, I would love that guy in my flex. Like, if you're talking to a guy on the Bills offense that's going to get 85 targets, probably 100 and, I don't know, 140, 130 carries, um, maybe he gets more, maybe he doesn't. I mean, I very much think that I agree with you, Damian Harris. You know, he's he's a good runner between the tackles. I also agree. I think Latavius Murray is there, if I remember correctly as well. Um, so, I mean, you have another guy that's a between the tackles type guy. So hopefully they don't absolutely just kill James Cook and run him between the tackles every single time. Yeah, no, I I feel you. It sounds like the three of us then are sort of tempered with James Cook. Uh, actually, I don't 100% know about Mike. Mike, you don't have Cook strangely super high, do you? No, I'm not huge on him. All the things that Evan said, I'm on the same page. It's He's a pass-catching back that's not the only pass-catching back. He's not big enough to be a goal line back and not explosive enough to really be the option in the offense. He's a option, an option, but uh, also there's some like leftover Cook truthers that are driving his price through the ceiling that I'm just not willing to pay. People paid 105, 106 for him last year being silly. And those are the guys that still have him on their team. Um, Mike, I saw a 103 James Cook. I saw that happen. Yeah. That, that could have had Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. It's brutal. It is absolutely brutal. Okay. Well, other than that, I mean, for the Bills, you know, a little boring because they're good. It's hard to talk about like really good teams for a lot of time. But uh, anything else you guys want to talk about? Do you want to talk a little Dalton Kincaid or any other subjects? So I, I would like to say from a defensive standpoint, I know we don't talk about that because it's not fantasy relevant for the most part. Until we do I, IDP, which we'll do next year, I'm sure. Well, okay, maybe. We'll see. Uh, I actually think that the East could potentially have four of the top 12 defenses in the entire NFL next year which also tempers expectations, in my opinion, for offensive production for the division. They're going to play more in-division games. I think that that really hampers, uh, in my opinion, how much scoring is going to go on. Yeah, they have some great offenses, but those great offenses, if they were in the AFC South, as an example, would look even more potent. Man, how fun are every single one of these matchups going to be? Every time one of these teams matches up with each other, it's going to be an awesome game to watch. Um, it's going to be like AFC North, which is, I think, the other one where it's just like 
man, no matter what, this is going to be a brutal, awesome, like rival game. Are we really that excited for Patriots? Anybody? I'm excited to see how Bill Belichick with like arguably, I mean, I guess you could pick out a couple other years, but one of the you know worst teams he's had, uh, just generally speaking, when you look at all the talent, uh, one of the worst teams he has, he's still Bill Belichick. I want to see what he does for sure. Yeah, that's fair. But okay. Yeah. Barring that. Any more Bills talk? Well, I, I was going to say over under on the Bills, 10 wins. Do they get to 11? Or do they stick at nine? Over. I would love a nine and a half. I would, I would love to put them at 10 wins. I, I know. I want to put them at 10 wins too, which is why I said 10. Um, We're going to need to pick a direction. Yeah, I think I'm going over, but that's tough. That's a tough line. See, part of me, for whatever reason, wants to say nine. <laughs> it could happen. So it could. I'll, 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 go, I'll go the other route, I guess, of the three of us. I think where I'm getting tripped up is Am I? They lost to the Jets once or twice last year. I think they might have lost both matchups against the Jets. I might be wrong, but if they lost both and they did, and they didn't even have Aaron Rodgers on that team, then I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> that's two auto losses. But okay, we can go ahead and move along here to the next team. Uh, going going south, going go from the Buffalo Bills, like frigid and icy, to the uh, sunny beaches of Miami where we uh, see the Dolphins. And Tua has been getting some jujitsu training, guys. He's been learning how to fall. Uh, Studying a little Brazilian jujitsu. So he's got that going for him. I think he might, I think he might try to judo flip one of the DTs that, that come after him this season. And I want to know, does that increase him in your rankings, Mike, if he judo flips a, a defensive tackle coming his way? If he can judo flip a tackle, I'm completely in on Tua. The yeah. issue, like, this is just funny and just like a note, like, done jujitsu for a little bit. If he goes to fall the way that jujitsu teaches you to fall, you slap your hands on the mat. If he does that with a ball in his hand, he's going to possibly fumble or make it look like he's fumbling over and over and over again. So uh, I hope he's learning how to fall with a ball in his hand also jujitsu style so that'll be a mess that seems like it has to be a must right for a professional football player like he has to be i imagine all quarterbacks in the nfl even backups just at all times 24 7 they have a ball it's like high school musical they're just walking around you play a sport you got a ball in your hand i'm no expert on high school musical i actually haven't seen any of them but i'm glad we have a high school musical expert on the show with us with mike i am a medium fantasy football analyst i'm a top tier high school musical analyst we'll have to do your high school musical draft at some point get all of your rankings because i think that'll be sounds good yeah okay uh to a aside i mean his his receiving weapons are pretty great um no matter what you think about Tua himself who i think the big knock on him is you know as it's always been can he stay healthy uh, he's, he's had some pretty bad concussions, uh, in one season, although one was apparently a neck injury, but yeah, I'm not buying it, but he still has Waddle and Hill. Right. So that sort of, I think propels him, uh, by, by quite a lot, no matter what you really think about Tua himself. Um, you want those guys right on a win now team, especially you want Hill on a competing and a, a younger team that's looking to compete in a couple of years. You want Waddle. I mean, between those two guys. 
I think it does boil down to you want Hill if you're really trying to compete now and next year, and you probably want Waddle more if you have a team that's sort of in ascending and, and younger. But maybe I'm wrong because I know I know at least Mike has Waddle pretty high uh, in his wide receiver rankings, right? Do you have him top eight? Is that right? Oh, he's he's up there. He's very much up. There. I thought he was like six, seven, eight, somewhere like that. Maybe maybe higher. Um, but my follow-up question was anyway, Evan Waddle, are you like a top? Is he in your top six? Is he that high for you? No, I I have him at eight right now. Okay. So still a top ten receiver. I got him at five. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you want to dive into that a little bit? The the top five selection. It's really. He's at five, and I have Tyreek at eight. It's there's the tier of guys that it's Chase and Jefferson. There's the tier of guys where it's Lamb, AJ Brown, Waddle, and Wilson. And I think Sun God might sneak in there. And then it's all of the like top tier old guys, the DK Metcalfs, the T the T Higgins. So would you would you verbally abuse me if I said I have Tyreek Hill out of my top twelve? No, I get it. I mean, it's silly because you want to win, but. I like your donations to RPG Nation. I have him as 13. So he's not super outside of it. But I just, when you look at all the quality younger guys and a lifespan for me, I don't know. I just don't know. And especially with Hill making his damage with, with those legs, with his speed, and getting up there. in like He's going to be 30 soon. Guys, that, that scares me a little bit. I mean, Deshaun Jackson was still fast at 36. He just would pull his hamstring after a long touchdown. Oh Yeah, I mean, it, that's kind of my fear, right? That's kind of like baked into it. We don't know, you know, obviously we haven't seen extensive injury history with Hill, but I, all I'm saying is you move that fast at a certain age, it gets harder and harder to do. I don't know. Already talking about retiring. I don't know. I'm just, I'm not, like I said, I mean, he's right outside my top 12, but he is outside my top 12. So, Evan, uh, do you... Do you agree kind of like with the concept of what I'm saying, or do you still view Hill as like easy top 10 money making league winner guy? No, I have Hill directly behind Waddle at nine. Okay. So Hill to me is a locked and loaded top five wide receiver scoring you points this year and scoring you points next year. I have no, no qualms regardless of who the, the quarterback is down there. He was getting absolutely fed targets. We're talking about a guy who had uh, 170 targets last year. Like, you're not going to find that in pretty much any other offense or any other receiver outside of Jefferson. I know Garrett Wilson was was pushing up there, um, but I don't think Wilson. I think Wilson was in the like 150 range. So like 170 is like elite, elite target numbers. So when you take the target numbers that um, Waddle and Hill combined for. They combined for 51% of the targets coming from the quarterback position last year for that offense. They accounted for 64% of the yards. So that should tell you how important those two wide receivers are to that entire offense. Yeah. You leave every other player for an entire season-long stat, and you say, okay, those guys are only making up 36% of the yardage for the team. I mean, that that's just otherworldly in my opinion and if Tua really looks like he did last year and that offense clicks like it was while he was at the helm I mean you could be talking about Tua having 
easily his best year yet. I mean, we could talk about Tua having 4,500 yards at the end of the season. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that is the, uh, that is a nice little ceiling for him for sure. Like I said, that's the whole question. Can he stay healthy for 16, 17 games? If he can, yeah, you're going to, you're going to see like a top five finish for Tua, I think. Um, so we, we shall see how it goes. I have two in a couple spots where I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. The one caveat I'll, well, not caveat, but just additional, I guess, just battling with myself here. Um, and I want to get your takes on this too. Uh, probably throw it to Mike in terms of the tight ends here. There don't seem to be any, I'm looking high and low for any tight ends and there just don't seem to be any in the area. Um, Mike Gusecki, he leaves um, and he leaves behind 50 targets. So like, I know it's not much and he wasn't super efficient with those targets anyway, um, but it's targets and it's probably, I mean, it's more targets for Hill and Waddle, right? Because who else is there? Uh, but I know, I know Mike's going to hit me up with his sleeper tight end pick for the Miami Dolphins, right, Mike? Uh, there, there is a receiver that's transitioning to tight end. Oh, here we go. No, I, I'm not. I'm not going down that route at all. Uh, if Mike McDaniel didn't want to use Mike Gusecki, then I, there's nothing else to say. Like, you're not getting a better tight end on the cheap unless they magically stumble into somebody in the draft. So avoid the tight ends in Miami as long as Mike McDaniel's the head coach. Oh, my God. Can you guys just take a moment with me and really visualize and manifest Brock Bowers, the Miami Dolphins. But would they use him or would he just waste away? Yes, of course they, they would have they would be forced to use him. Mike, they they would be in a Kyle Pitts uh dilemma. They would have to use him. Yeah, because Kyle Pitts has been so good. Hey, you know what? He's he's had a rough go. He's had a rough go, and he'll probably have another rough go this season, and I'll still love just, him next season. It's like the Seahawks really had to use Noah Fant. And... All right. Well, you know. Seahawks going to Seahawks. We went to the playoffs. So, the, yeah. the Giants really needed to use Evan Ingram. Yeah, that's enough out of you. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk about the running game before we move on from the Miami Dolphins because there's kind of a lot to talk about here too. And uh, we're already, whew, yeah, we need to get moving. Um, but yeah, so A-Chain is cool, right? He's a little smaller, but he's fast and he likes fast running backs. Um, but there's Mostert and there's Wilson there too, and they're incumbent. And they were also kind of like mega incumbent because they're on the Niners uh, with McDaniel. So that's, it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be a healthy mixture of all three guys, not to mention Dolphins, one of the uh, main runners here in the Dalvin Cook sweepstakes. What kind of sense are you guys making out of this? Evan, do you have a selection out of these guys or are you just a fade on the Dolphins backfield in general? I mean, the Dolphins backfield is incredibly frustrating uh, for any fantasy owner. Uh, if you're going to take one, uh, it's going to be Moster, in my opinion, for this year. Uh, Long term, I definitely like A-Chain. Uh, I want to see him get in an NFL strength and conditioning program. I want to see him not have to lose weight for track and field season. Uh, as he did every single year. I mean, if you listen to him talk about track and field in college, he was dropping 15 to 20 pounds from what he was playing at, at running back for A&M to go do track and field. 
So, I mean, he was dropping down into like 159, 160 range to go do track and field for sprinting. So if he can go the opposite way and say, a lot of people say his playing weight was right around 175 when he was at A&M. So if he can go the other way and bulk up to say 185, 190, I, I think you have a much more durable back. And if he can retain his speed, you're looking at a guy that's a home run threat which is exactly what you want in this offense. You want a guy that you can give him an outside toss and he can take it to the house. They got a lot of speed on that team. There's a lot of speed there. They're just collecting speed demons like Pokemon. It's uh, it's very interesting to see. Okay, Mike, um, Dalvin Cook, you are you standing by your, your outrageous cowboy selection that's probably going to happen? Or, I mean, it's sounding like it might be the Dolphins, but what, what do you think on Dalvin Cook going to the Dolphins? Yeah. I currently think that Dalvin Cook needs to understand the year and the contract situation that he's in. Uh-huh. Like the Dalvin, the Miami Dolphins have offered a contract and he says that it's not enough. Um, I don't know if he's aware, but $1 is more than $0. And even my, my dog knows this. So he just take the contract that's on the board, go to the Dolphins, ruin my A-chain shares. And also, like, his play style isn't going to fit into McDaniel's offense. Like, they're just looking for speedsters that are going to hit the hole and then explode past the line of scrimmage. Like, that's not Dalvin Cook's vibe at 28 years old. I, I agree with you. I I don't like it. I do not like it. And it's not just because I took a lot of A-chain, uh, which I did. But it's it's that I just don't think that's where he's going to go and be a very, like like, a super ultra valuable guy i i don't think there's a lot of places he can go at this point where he will be a super ultra valuable guy like he has been uh for the last couple of seasons i think he's gonna go somewhere and he's gonna be lucky to be an rb2 yeah i'm really hoping that someone else comes in maybe the bear the burrs bear down and <laughs> they uh, take a big swing on some dalvin cook i would love to see that because uh that gets him far away from miami but it'll it'll remain to be seen i mean I was just going to say that the Dolphins defense improved once again. I get it. Jalen Ramsey is is on the back nine of his career, probably back four, back five maybe. But you look at the defense and the addition of Bradley Chubb last year was big. Jalen Phillips is also big. Christian Wilkins in the center. Xavier Howard on the outside. Javon Holland in free safety. Like they have plenty of defensive stars that can really make an issue for a lot of teams in this division. And it wouldn't surprise me with how bad that defense played last year, comparatively to expectations, if they take a big step forward. Wouldn't be extremely difficult to do. I, they were pretty bad last year, but uh, yeah, with those additions, you would hope that they would improve. Um, I definitely see the chance there. I mean, Bradley Chubb is is very, very good. Jalen Ramsey is getting older, but still a veteran presence there. Uh, so, yeah, I, I can definitely see it. Um, I also see the Patriots as having, like, I mean, do I need to say sneaky good defense? Or is it just, like, implied that because it's Bill Belichick, they're going to be a decent to good defense, if not great? Um so they're going to have that going for them too. I see, I'm starting to very much picture your take that you had, Evan, where this could be four out of the 12 uh, top defenses in the league. That could very well happen. But for the Patriots, for fantasy, um, 
I think the big topic here is still like the will she really won't he uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins signing like is is that going to still happen do you think Uh, Mike you're you're super present in like Twitterverse like I just can't be so maybe you've read heard seen something to indicate if DeAndre Hopkins will be a Patriot or not. I mean, tw- Twitter news isn't real news. It's just a place to spread nonsense. I think it's. I think it's all. It all depends on what you choose to believe. Yeah, um, I think Hopkins currently has offers to go to Tennessee or to New England, and he's holding out to see if one of the Chiefs, Bills, or another team with a good quarterback want him. If they don't want him by the time the season rolls around, he's probably going to go with the Patriots. But, I mean, does that do anything for Mac Jones's ceiling to go from quarterback 30 to quarterback 29? I mean, I don't love Mac personally. I'm not a big Mac guy. I think it's pretty interesting if Hopkins does go there, to me personally, because he goes from having, I mean, Jacoby Myers was his best wide receiver last year. and maybe even the year before that uh, I can't remember if he had another guy or not. I think it was still like Jacoby Myers and like Kendrick Bourne and uh, Devonte Parker and just like kind of just a bunch of yuck. And so, yeah, if he has Juju and he has Hopkins, I don't like Mac, like I said, but I like him more in that scenario than I've ever liked him. Uh, not to mention they have an actual like offensive coach on the team now. Uh, and Bill O'Brien, so I think that's something. But yeah, I mean, I think Evan also had some pretty positive Mac thoughts, right? When we did like our cornerstone QB rankings, you still had him in there. So you, you liked him to a certain degree. If they get Hopkins along with Juju and along with an actual offensive coordinator, where are you seeing Mac as his ceiling? Is he still like a like a high-end QB two? Uh, I think he has high-end QB2 spike weeks. I think he typically is going to end up sitting around of a mid QB2, you know, talking that QB18 to QB16 range. Uh, I think if Hopkins ends up going there, because if Hopkins doesn't go there, I don't think anybody on this team gets over 100 targets. And I think that's going to be an issue. They're just going to spread the ball around. Yeah, it's like a time bomb scenario if you're drafting mac jones if you have mac jones as your qb3 i think you're like cool like i'm that's cool if you're drafting him as your qb2 i think you're doing it with like fingers crossed oh my god i hope they get deandre hopkins uh because if they don't that's gonna be really tough i think the guy you're looking at to have the most targets is probably juju unless it's somehow ramondre stevenson and i want to know what mike thinks about that do you think that Juju will have more targets than Ramondre Stevenson? I am a little shocked that this is a question. Yes. Uh, Ramondre, yes, he can catch passes, and like his targets have been great for a running back. But Juju and Jacoby Myers signed the exact same contracts, just at different places, which means that the Patriots just wanted Juju more than they wanted Jacoby. Do I think he's going to be awesome no but i think he has a contract that puts him into that role so that is the reason why i asked though is because he had 88 targets last year and i think people are glomming onto that really hard and being like oh 
I think a lot of what people are expecting is that he is going to have more than that. Mike, do you think he's going to have more than 88 targets? Juju or Ramondre had 88 targets? Ramondre Stevenson had 88 targets. I struggle to find a world where he has more than that. But That's where I'm at. I mean, I, I agree with you. He, he could be in the same range, like a 90 or a 92 isn't crazy, but he's not going to be an Austin Eckler where he's getting 110 targets for 98 catches. Like That's not Ramondre's role. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, you know, RB1 is where that's what I'm seeing people like almost drafting max is like a back end RB1, mid RB1 upside guy. So that's what freaks me out a little bit. And to sort of sum up my entirety of why I feel this way, it's, it's the Patriots, right? Like, are we forgetting what the Patriots do? Like, okay, Montre got a bunch of panic dump offs from an anemic offense that didn't have a real offensive coordinator last year. Cool. The Patriots are going to Patriot. They're going to employ multiple RBs. There's going to be a bunch of RBs taking passes and screens and dump offs and whatnot. 88, in my opinion, I just, I don't think that's going to happen again. I think that's going to settle down. And if they get Hopkins, I think it's going to settle down even more. But that's why, like, pers- I just, I have no Stevenson. I'm just, he, if he falls to me somehow, great. But where he's been going, I just, I have no interest. So yeah, just the, the giga hype on Stevenson, I, I can't get behind. Well, I was just going to say, one, one of the sites that I very much appreciate their injury work that they do is Dynasty, uh, Draft Sharks. I don't know if you've been on there, Corey, or not, mm-hmm. Mike. But they do a really good profile that you can look at on each player. So if you look up Juju Smith-Schuster's injury history, Draft Sharks, you'll be able to see it and they make a really nice graphic where you can literally click on the different body parts of the player. And it goes through going back through college, all of the injuries that they've occurred and they've had, and they have his injury risk as a very high injury risk this year, chance of injury at 91% saying that he's going to miss some time. uh, And they're projecting he misses 3.6 games this year. Okay. And the thing that's concerning to me is we've already heard that the knee injury is still lingering from last year. That is that is a good point. Okay. Well, yeah, the only other thing I had on here, um, and it's kind of a big topic, so maybe we cut it down a little bit. Um, don't don't think you have to get too too in detail here, but I want like a short, quick one from each of you guys. We'll go Mike and then Evan. The team is in a rough spot, right? Bill Belichick has X amount of years left, I think, with the Patriots or just coaching in general. Um, I don't think he's going to be around for like another decade. That seems improbable. Um, so with a team that, you know, took a swing on Mac Jones, uh, it's kind of just, in my opinion, they're kind of floundering in this like pseudo competitive spot where they just they're not going to be winning the Super Bowl anytime in the near future. Uh, but I also don't think Bill Belichick specifically will rebuild. Um, what do you guys think is the one thing that you want to see the Patriots do, if you were a Patriots fan, to get them back into relevancy to where they were, you know, five, ten years ago? Uh, we'll start with Mike. Yeah. I mean, they already took a giant step with it this last season, which I honestly, like, I thought this was the bare minimum for NFL teams. They fully staffed their coaching staff. <laughs> they have an offensive coordinator. Like it's, I'm talking to Patriots fans like uh, Preston and my managing editor. Like 
he's a huge Patriots fan. And I'm like, Hey, how do you feel? He's like, we have an offensive coordinator. I'm like, so did 31 other teams last year. So uh, that's, that's a great step in the right direction. And then honestly, I, I think that they just need a dynamic playmaker on offense, whether that's going to bring the team hope, whether that's going to put fans in the seats, like Ramondre Stevenson is a very good running back. They need like lightning in a bottle. They need Kadarius Tony, but healthy. They need Tyreek Hill. They need a player that can take the top off the defense. And like Mac Jones is never going to run for any kind of yards, but he can put the ball in the receiver's hands in a place that they can make some moves. So if they could just get the next Percy Harvin, whenever that happens, that would be beautiful. Evan, what do you think they need? Yeah, I, I very much agree. Uh, they need Bill to actually draft a good wide receiver uh, or trade away a pick for a wide receiver, as he's done many of times in the past, to go get Brandon Cooks, to go get Randy Moss. Uh, just to name a few, you know, of Bill trading away draft picks and saying, uh, we don't need draft picks. I'm just going to go get these proven NFL wide receivers that nobody else wants that are really good at football. Yeah, I, that that is a pattern. That is an established pattern. So maybe we see something like that come through. I mean, it's also like established pattern would, to me, it would make sense if he signed DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I don't know if he's that guy that you need to like mature with the team, which I still think needs a little bit of help. I think they'd probably want someone a little on the younger side. I agree if they could get a playmaker in the draft somehow, like, this would never happen because it's Bill and they're going to play at, at the worst. They're going to be mediocre. But that Marvin Harrison, like sweepstakes, if they could land that guy, that, oh man, that, that would change everything, I think, for the Patriots. Uh, tough to do, though. What would completely change the Patriots' outlook here is if they could find a scout. And all the scout does is just look for a wide receiver for them to be able to draft. Because listen to their last three wide receivers uh, that they've taken with top one hundred with top one hundred picks uh, here. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on to your lunch here. I'm gonna get Tyquan yeah. Thornton, with the fiftieth overall pick. Woof. Nikhil Harry with the thirty second overall pick. Ugh. Woof. Thanks. Oh man. All right, and then we continue to scroll down to 2013. Aaron Dobson at the 59th overall pick. Nothing. Yeah, remember Aaron Dobson? Of course. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> Those are their last three wide receivers they've taken with top 100 picks. You want to know what makes it Yikes. even worse? You want to know some of the receivers that got taken after Tyquan Thornton last oh, year? Oh my God, yes, please. Yeah. Two picks later, uh, George Pickens. Oh. Three picks later... Not even that much better, but still Alec Pierce. Yeah. Yeah, um, give me Pierce. After that, there's nothing that crazy, but still, that's there's two right there that Oof. are already on such a higher career trajectory. Oh, two picks away from George Pickens hurts. That does hurt. Yeah. How far away from the – if they could have traded up to get the uh, guy that went before Dorton, who, who would that be? Oh, before Thornton. So they, Wandale Robinson went in front of them, seven picks ahead. John Mechie went ahead, six pe- picks ahead. Okay. Um, 
And then you've got Christian Watson at 34, which would have been quite the job. They could have. Yeah, they they could yeah. have taken Christian Watson instead of Cole Strange, small town <laughs> Chattanooga guard. That's so true. They took the Chattanooga guard that the Rams were going to take in the fifth round <laughs> with the 30th, sorry, the 29th <laughs> overall pick. Oh man, so, life's a little hey, life's a little odd. Life's a little strange, I guess. Go Chattanooga, um, am I right? All right, we are we are running over time talking about Cole Strange. So let's get to the last team here. Uh, we have the New York Jets, and unfortunately, we do have some things to talk about here with the Jets because they got a big QB upgrade. I mean, has there ever been a bigger QB upgrade? I guess Russell Wilson instead of Drew Locke is pretty massive. Well, not in my opinion, but in some people's opinions. Uh, but yeah, Aaron Rodgers from Zach Wilson, massive. The Jets, with what they have around them, just Aaron Rodgers, Garrett Wilson, and Brees Hall alone, feels really, really solid. I want to know from Mike, in terms of ranking their offense, where do you have them? Would they be a... This sounds crazy, right? Top five seems crazy. Top ten? Would you rank them like a top ten? I This is a good idea, so I might write an article on it, but... I think you can sneak them into the top 10. But when we talk about what the year-end metrics are going to look like, that defense is way too good. So they're going to try to play it safe, slow the pace of the game down, like give it to Aaron Rodgers in a close game at the end of the game instead of trying to be a shootout team throughout the season. That's also like not Robert Sala's MO. Maybe that's because he had Zach Wilson and the ghost of – Oh, who is the Ravens quarterback? Joe Flacco. Like, <laughs> how could you forget Joe Elite QB Flacco? Come on, man. The uh, Ravens fans. I've already blocked him out of my memory. But oh yeah, you're a Steelers fan. I guess that makes sense. I actually have a poster right right next to me that it's of Joe Flacco. It's oh. Troy Polamalu sacking Joe, Joe Flacco to strip the ball and mm. win the AFC. I don't know. But, I, I guess that's cool. I mean, you still have Joe Flacco on your wall. Yeah, but he dropped the ball, literally. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. But anyway, okay. yeah, I think as far as like top 10 firepower, there's an argument to be had. But as far as year end metrics, they're probably not going to finish there. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with you. I, I haven't done a ranking, but 10 to 12 feels safe. I think that's probably where I would have them. But let's talk a little bit about those key players. Um, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, I want to know, Evan, QB1 for Aaron Rodgers, top 10, top 12 finish. You think that is probable? No, because as I just kind of wrote in our little chat here, uh, yeah, I think they're going to run the ball a significant amount in the first half. I think they are going to try and pound teams to death and wear the defenses down, get the defensive linemen tired let them continuously try and run stop. And then all of a sudden, Rogers is going to come out in the second half and they're going to say, all right, Aaron, do your thing. Like go game manage for us, you know, don't lose us the game, continue to pick up first downs, continue to chew clock, call an audible at the line if you need to, to get a run play in, you know, just don't lose us the game. And I think that's really what he's going to end up doing. Do I think Rogers is elite at his current age? No. Do I think he is still very good? Yes. That makes sense. Uh, so you must be feeling 
Brees Hall coming into the season? Are you his injury scares me a little bit, not long term for me, but just for his year this year. It scares me a little bit. How do you feel about him? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think Brees Hall is going to disappoint people at the very beginning of the season. Uh, I think he's not going to see the type of carries that we want him to. Uh, I think we're not going to see the the type of snap share that we want to early in the season. And I think that's going to open up a buy window on the guy that I currently have as the RB2 in Dynasty for Brees Hall. Um, so I think that's going to open up a buy window for him. So if you do like Brees Hall, uh, I think you'll be able to get a little bit of discount after, say, week two, week three, uh, when you have a couple couple weeks of data for people to look at. So with that said, uh, I think you're really looking at Brees Hall from a fantasy standpoint for a second half of the season and playoff type feel. Yeah, I, I love Brees Hall as my, I think I'm going to contend next year guy that I have in my roster. Um, if I'm trying to contend this year, it's yeah, it's looking a little wonky. Um, but I do like that. I think we're all in lockstep with, I mean, I don't think it's super hot takey actually. So it doesn't super surprise me, but we're all Brees Hall uh, as our second running back in our dynasty rankings. I believe that's, that's true. Right, Mike, you, you have him as number two. Mike is muted. Oh, sorry about that. My, uh, my dog started screaming at me. So that happens. I'm used to that. But were we talking about how Nicole Hardman is the number two receiver on the Jets or? Uh, no, we're just locking, locking step here, making sure that we all have Brees Hall as RB2. Correct. And then I want to know, because you just said it, I do want to know your take on who behind Garrett Wilson is going to be the, like, the second target leader on this team. You, you think it's Nicole Hardman? <laughs> no, uh, Evan just sent a message in the chat. It's Lazard, like, and that's 100% true. We He's, are good at this. I mean... Aaron Rodgers had a wish list of players. Mm. Just your your fantasy draft should follow that wish list. You know, I heard he actually sent uh he sent the Packers a letter in the mail, even after he was in the building, which is kind of weird. But it was like one of those ransom letters that had like the letters cut up from magazines that spelled out the names of all the players that he wanted. And at the very end, it just said, or else. Or else he goes on an ayahuasca trip. No, no, it just said Aurel. So he can't actually, there's no threat there really, like wink. Like there's no threat wink, but he said Aurel. So yeah, no, it's, I think the pecking order for targets will go Wilson, Lazard. And then it honestly might go Conklin, which I think is something that people are really forgetting about. Like Aaron Rodgers made, what was the name of that tight end in uh, Green Bay? He just had a million touchdowns. Robert Tunyon. Bobby Funyon. Yeah, he made Tunyon a thing. So I think that he can make Conklin a thing if he decides to. Uh, it, it'll be like a tight end 9 or 10, but currently he's free. So go out and buy you some conk. It's interesting. I mean, don't they have uh, TJ Uzoma as well? Should should we care? I, I like Conklin more than Uzoma. Hmm, that's tough for me. I hmm. You're probably right. I kind of like Azuma, but you're probably right. It's probably Conklin. Or they go out and they trade for a tight end. That would be interesting. Pull a Vikings like they did uh they did with Hawkinson. Go out and get a guy. Or Brock Bowers, twenty twenty four. Yeah. I think they want it this year. I think it's this year. They could do another one next year, but I think they are gearing up 
to go this year. So I would not be surprised with them just like, yep, whatever we need to do to secure some sort of monster tight end. Let's let's get it done. Um, don't know who that would be, but okay. Well, I guess the only other thing to talk about with the Jets is kind of what Evan has already sort of spoke about. It's the defense is elite. So I think that should temper a little bit of expectations for like big chunky like wide receiver points specifically. I think they I think you guys are right. I think you're on the money. They're gonna run the ball. They're going to give it to Brees Hall and Michael Carter and Zonovan Knight and uh is Izzy. Izzy's there. Uh Abanaconda is there. So it's gonna be like a four-headed backfield kind of thing. Hall obviously being the top dog there, but I think with his injury, they're probably going to play him smart and use him in a rotation. So all in all, it kind of makes me feel a little deflated about the Jets, to be honest. Um, I think they're still good for fantasy. Obviously, those are great pieces to to acquire and have. But yeah, do, I mean, is it weird, Evan, to think of them as a little bit like, oh, man, I mean, their defense is really good. So like, how excited can you be about these guys? No, I mean, I don't think it's crazy. And the number that I have in in my projection for Rodgers this year is 548 attempts. I think that is a slightly bullish, honestly, uh, on his attempts total. So I think when you start looking at all of that, you start trying to figure out, okay, how are they going to win games? How's it going to look? What's, what's going to happen with the offense? And I go back to what I said. I mean, I think they paid up for Rodgers and they paid up for him to win games in the fourth quarter if they're close and to not lose them games because Zach Wilson and Mike White would lose them games. Like it. Do you guys have any other Jets topics? I almost kind of want to end it with what Evan just said, but if you guys have anything else, we can tack it onto the uh, to the post show. No, just just drop that mic. Uh, yeah, Evan, I'm good with cutting it there. Evan, you need to uh, buy a mic so that you can drop the mic. Here, wait. Oh, hey, there, there we go. Heck yeah! How do you, did that feel powerful for you? A little bit. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah, get into it. Uh, sweet deal, guys. I mean, wave goodbye to to Division Town. It's uh, it was a nice little run here. It gave us like <laughs> a lot of good weeks of content. Holy moly! It gave us eight good weeks. Especially since training camp's getting ready to kick off here shortly. So true. And and college football is coming back. So true. Yeah. Gonna have a, what? When does that come back? What is? Is it August? Uh, I'm trying to figure out. I forget when week zero is. Week zero. August 26th, baby. Let's go. I'm fired up, dude. Let's get some. I'm actually like, 
So, <laughs> Mike, you weren't here for this whole saga where, uh, because I never went to, I, I just completely skipped college, so I don't have any sort of loyalty to any college football team just baked into me. I just don't. Uh, okay. The closest I ever got was UCLA because I lived in Southern California, mm. but, you know, they're fine or whatever. Now I live in Washington. And I've lived in or near Seattle for like a decade uh, now, so I last year glommed on to UW and the Huskies not okay. knowing that like they're not the best team still not the best team but their oh. year last year was like pretty awesome aren't like, you a huge Michael Penix fan? Abs- I love a big Penix in my life it's incredible I cannot wait for all of the Penix jokes when he comes out next year I can't get enough Penix man he is so when good Penix at Indiana, tried to come back against Ohio State, and then did he pull it off, or was Evan? Do you remember that game when before Phoenix transferred? Yeah, I don't think he did. He got pretty close, and I was with family, but we were all drinking, and Phoenixes were just getting referenced everywhere. Phoenix flying all around. Just we could not stop talking about Phoenix. You just couldn't get enough Phoenix in your mouth. Anyway, uh, next draft season's gonna rule for that oh my god yeah can you imagine getting like oh my god there's so etn booty with phoenix oh man so many good ones and hooker oh my god oh man hooker can we just I want to do the uh, Cartman from South Park where he freezes himself to get the uh, Nintendo Wii or whatever. Mm-hmm. I want to do that and just skip. Just someone run my teams. I'll just skip the year and I want to go directly into the next season so that I can draft Michael Penix 101. Just need it for the name. So anyway. Anyway. All right. Well, yeah, that's a, that was a podcast. That definitely happened. Yeah. Happened. It came and went. Also, I'm excited to see Kool-Aid in next year's draft. Oh, the coldest to ever do it. Crawford, is he coming out anytime soon? Uh, I don't know. But Kool-Aid McKenzie for yeah. Alabama. The yeah. top right is corner, he a, corner next year. Yeah, he's, a cor- he's actually like a good corner, too. He's, he's a good. He's the top ranked corner in next year's class. Sorry, you guys are definitely into this more than I am, apparently, because Kool-Aid? Yeah, Kool-Aid. Yeah, Kool-Aid. Is it McKinney? Or... I thought it was McKinnistry. It, it might be McKinstry, yeah. Also, how did um, we say Ebuka? Egbuka? Egbuka? I'm pretty sure it's a Mecca Egbuka. A Mecca Egbuka. Because I got to work on that. Because I think he's my wide receiver, too, for next year already. Yeah, and you're going to interview him on the I RPG I, pod, so get his name right. I think I have Malik Neighbors right now as my wide receiver, too. Ooh, what are your wow. vibes with Texas as a whole between Quinny, uh, Xavier Worthy? I think their offensive line isn't good enough, and their defense is still not good enough. Uh, I think Worthy is a great deep, deep threat. I don't think he catches enough. I think he has concentration drops, and it just frustrates the heck out of me. He reminds me so much of a Deshaun that's Jackson. Tough. Ooh, he yeah, he reminds tough. me so much of Deshaun Jackson, where he's just a straight line burner. 
and he doesn't really run that many routes. He hasn't been asked to do that much at Texas. He's run yeah. like, I think it's four different route concepts at Texas last year. Yeah. Higher than like a 4% clip. But oh, man. you know who else didn't run that many routes in college? Me. You didn't go to college. That doesn't count. It's <laughs> <laughs> gonna say DK Metcalf, but <laughs> oh yeah, DK. I knew that. Also, also Corey. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Hey, a lot of people say I am the white DK Metcalf. Oh, man. You are. Are you? Would you describe yourself as closer to Rodrigo Blankenship or DK Metcalf? <laughs> no, man. I'm like an. <laughs> I'm like an even blend of both, man. I'm yeah. just. Both sides of the coin.